0: All right, well, thank you so much for being on this podcast, Jessica. I am really excited to ask you all these questions. Especially, I feel like nowadays more people are going to have the same questions that we're going to talk about. So, I want to kind of talk about this, especially when we're heading into the new year. It's already September. I think by the time this podcast episode comes out, probably October. But um, this could be good for people that are evaluating their life decisions on their careers or anything in general. So, uh, the first thing I would like to do is, can you do a short introduction about yourself, background, interest or hobbies?
1: Sure. So, um, uh, my name is Jessica Weiss. I am a happiness expert. My career started in management consulting. I got an MBA and then I went on to become a management consultant and my work focused primarily around um, organizational design and culture work. That was what I did um, and primarily it was focused specifically around innovation and creativity. So how can you work in these big companies like Citibank and Bank of America and Johnson and Johnson and Pfizer kind of these big behemoths, how can we help them to kind of spur more creativity and more innovation? Because that was the way that they were able to generate more revenue. And through my work there, um, oftentimes, as we kind of peeled back the layers and were trying to understand what was going on with people, um, the central question always became, "How can I become happier in my work? Like, how can I get more satisfaction from what I'm doing? Because when I do certain things, I really get like jazzed up and excited about my work. How can I do that all the time? So um, once I realized that that was sort of the central tenet, like the mo- the most essential question, um, that's when I really started to dig in on this whole idea about finding happiness and happiness at work. Um, and I eventually left the firm that I was with and I went out on my own. And I now um, I facilitate workshops. I give keynotes. I do individual coaching and team coaching all around helping people find more personal happiness and find more happiness at work.
0: Amazing. So it kind of seems like your focus is on individuals. Do you also help corporations Yes, I work with big corporations. Those are primarily who my clients are. Mm -hmm. So I work with
1: big organizations and I work both with teams, with individuals, and even with the organization as a whole. So in other words, how can the leadership team facilitate an environment or a culture where their employees feel more satisfaction
0: with their work? That's amazing. So it actually kind of sounds like you did this at a consulting firm and then now you're kind of doing independent consulting, which pretty much exactly what you were doing before. That's so cool. So actually I I had like a a guest on the podcast on who is someone who went from consulting firm to independent consulting, but now you're actually going to talk about us on like what you actually consulted on. So that's why I think it's really interesting because I feel like nowadays our generation is more focused on let's do what I actually want to do. Let's focus on um, I don't know, like leaving your corporate job and starting a farm, doing something you actually sure. find happiness. And how would you actually balance between doing something you're happy with, but also paying the bills and making sure you meet right. that minimum?
1: Of course. So, and that's not like, that's not frivolous and that's not to be disregarded. So when I talk about finding happiness and satisfaction, it's not this idea that we can like all go live on a deserted island and hang out all day. Like that's not the key to happiness, right? The key to happiness is finding a job and a career where you find joy every day and you have satisfaction and purpose and meeting. And then you're also able to pay the bills and all of that impacts your overall life. So I don't think that the two things are necessarily independent. And I think that this is probably the heart of the question. People think that they go to work, they do their job, and then after work is when they can start to be happy and do the stuff that they like. And what I like to teach people is we can actually find happiness at work. And then that happiness and that satisfaction can spill over to your entire life. So it's not about finding something where um, you know, it doesn't pay the bills by any means. That's not what this is about. It's about really kind of tuning in finding your purpose and living that every day at work.
0: How do you actually find that balance between maybe it is time for me to do a career change or quit as opposed to like, maybe I should find happiness in what I actually do because that was kind of me when I was at Accenture. That was my job before I'm at Google right now. And I was like, oh, I find the value of doing this. Oh, I can be here for a very long period of time. But also at the same time, I don't know what could be better. And the only way to yeah. do this is to like look elsewhere. So how would you make that balance? Because I feel like the older generations, like, I'm going to stay in this job for like 20 plus years until yeah, I- that's yeah. over. Like th- those <laughs> days are gone. <laughs> <laughs> and no then one's now- doing that. Yes, exactly. And I'm also hearing in, in another podcast episode, I did that, like the Gen Zs are, they just kind of want to do their job and then they get out. And yeah. so like work hours, but also in their career as well. So where do you see that falling in? So your question is at what,
1: like what sort of the, um what sort of the minimum bar that you have to meet when you decide you want to leave your job? Is that the question? Yeah. Okay. So I think that um, when I talk about, helping people to find happiness and satisfaction at work. I always say that it boils down to two basic initial questions that you have to ask yourself. And if we, if the first question, the first question is this, um, You have to feel that you're working in an organization where you've achieved your job and any promotion that you will go on to achieve is going to be fair and square. So you're working in an organization where there's equity, where there's fairness, where there's transparency, where people are being rewarded based upon their merit, right? So if you don't have that in your organization, I feel like that's a huge red flag. Now, the second part, I say there's two things that you need from your job in order to have happiness at work. So you need to feel that Your success is merited. There's transparency, justice, equity, all of that good stuff. And then the second half of that question is you need to tap into this idea that you have to feel that your job, you are doing something for somebody else that they would not be able to do for themselves, right? So that is a really tangible way to tap into this idea of purpose. I feel like lots of people like to talk about purpose, and it's really like come on, I'm just doing a nine to five. I don't need a purpose, you know what I mean? But I think that when you look at it through that lens, when you say, what am I doing in my job that somebody else would not be able to do but for me doing what I'm doing? And that boils it down to a really basic kind of um, question. So, and it can apply to any career. So it can apply if you're a real estate broker, right? You are helping people find their dream homes. Without you, they would not be able to find their dream home. And you have special talent and characteristics in order to understand what your clients need, whatever it is. But that's a great example for how you could tap into purpose. It doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to be solving, you know, you don't have to be doing brain surgery, which is great, but your purpose there is really clear, right? If you're a doctor, your purpose is super clear. Most of us don't have that clear of a purpose. So if you look at it in terms of how am I helping, like for me, I'm helping people find more happiness in their work. That's my purpose and more happiness in their life. And that brings me joy because I know that without me, they wouldn't be able to do that. I'm coming with my own special set of skills that help people find that purpose. So if you can answer those two questions, if your job, if it's merited, if you work in a place where there's transparency and equity and justice and you can understand what your purpose is, what you're doing to help the life of somebody else, then I say you're in a job where you can start to build happiness and there are specific things that you could do. But we need to meet that minimum bar. So if you don't meet that minimum bar, I think at that point it's time to kind of think about what do I want to do and where else do I want to do it.
0: That's great. And actually moving forward to that, let's say they can't answer those two questions confidently when they're looking for, I don't know, through a job interview, through another company. What are questions they can ask to be able to see that they could at least satisfy those two questions at that new company or job?
1: So the the transparency and the fairness and the equity, right, that you you are achieving a job where you're um... Your hard work is going to be um, celebrated and promoted and you're going to be rewarded for that. Um, those questions I think you can ask in an interview pretty clearly, right? And even if you're not asking those questions directly of the person who's interviewing you, as you move along in the interview process, I think that there are ways that you can kind of get at that from like a side question, right? So it would be, tell me a little bit about your career path. How did you come here? What did you do before? What would you like to be doing next? Is that a viable option for you? What are some other team members' career paths? What do you see as my career path at this organization? I think that kind of starts to hit at those, um, will I be promoted? Will I be valued? And then the other question around finding your purpose, that is much more of an introspective journey, right? That I don't think that you're going to really start to get from somebody else that you need to get from yourself. But I would say this, and I think this is a mistake that people make when they're looking for their next job or the next, you know, the new thing we look at very much like, what am I going to be doing? What is the content of this job? How am I going to be challenged? How is it going to really kind of, you know, I need to be learning every single day. All of those things are hugely, hugely important, but more important than the what of your job is actually the who of your job. So by that, I mean, who are you going to be working with? Because the people that you work with will have a much greater impact on your happiness, satisfaction, joy, whatever it is that you wanna call it. There are so many words for it, right? But who you work with and your relationships with your colleagues, that's going to have a much bigger impact. So I would say that, I would just say, do a little bit of introspection in terms of answering that question of what am I doing that helps the lives of somebody else. But I would also say, be sure that you're working with people who you enjoy.
0: Yeah, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, I never thought about the who. I always thought about the why and like- We all the- always, exactly, we all
1: do that. We all do that 100%. It's like, oh, this job is gonna be so challenging and this is such a great organization to work for. And I really think people need to tap into who are you working with? Who are you working for? People are a huge part of this equation that we kind of just like assume, ah, it'll be fine. You know, but that's really what you need to think about.
0: Yeah. And also on the interviewer perspective, they're like, would I be, would I want to be stuck in an airport with you? But like, we never really think about the other way around. Like, would we want to be yes. stuck with them?
1: <laughs> exactly exactly and it's also an important part of recruiting like on the other yeah. side if you're in a position where you're interviewing new people to come into your team this is something that you really need to think about will this person's personality work with all of the other existing personalities on this team is this someone whose chemistry is going to add to our trust our collaboration i mean that is something that we really people talk about fit but i don't think they yeah. really dig in on this idea of like we need to be friends like we need to <laughs> like each other
0: okay so it kind of sounds like you're super passionate about this and it even started all the way for when you're a management consultant I, i'm kind of curious as to like how you even got there like did you learn this from a job of your own like maybe i should focus on this maybe this is my life calling or maybe you just fell into management consulting it just happened to happen So
1: the way that, so the way that I came to the happiness work is interesting, right? So for me, it was um, sort of just a very personal interest, almost bordering on an obsession, right? So when I was an undergrad, I took a psychology class in college um, that was all around this idea of instead of focusing on what's wrong with people, why can't we look at all of the happiest people in the world and understand how they got that way and how we can learn how to get that way too, right? Rather than looking at ailments and illnesses and dysfunction. Let's look at function. Um, And the person who taught that class was Dr. Seligman, Dr. Martin Seligman. And he is the founder of this entire um, positive psychology movement. I actually didn't even know at the time that that's who I was taking the class with. But I knew I was fascinated by the subject material. So that happened just on a very personal level when I was undergrad. So I would like consume everything having to do with happiness and all of that kind of stuff on a very pop culture way. Right. So I would read any books. I would watch any interviews, read magazine articles. It was just something that I was personally very interested in. And then as I in my work, as I started to kind of move along and dig deeper and really understand what I was doing as a cultural, you know, as when we were going in and trying to help these big companies kind of um create more efficient, creative, innovative cultures. That's when I started to realize that the, the the question here was around happiness. So the two things came together very luckily and not on purpose at all and very organically. But when they did, that's when I found my happiness at work, right? So that's how it happened. It was kind of like a personal interest and, um, and a professional interest that started to gel together.
0: Amazing, and actually, a lot of our listeners are either in tech or consulting. So, yeah, uh, I think this would be probably really interesting. That, like, I, I guess that in this case, for organizational consulting, is this something that they usually focus on, or you're focusing on complete different things? Just happiness came second. Um.
1: So it like there are many consulting firms that do organizational design work, and Mm -hmm. they come from very different angles, right? So there's a big one now would be around retention, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's so many problems, like we had the quiet quitting a few years ago. And then we have this idea that people, you know, we can't hold on to our best people. So that's one angle that people um, hire organizational design consultants, but they come in for a whole host of reasons. Um, And my work was around this idea around innovation and creativity because it was what i was interested in but there's a whole it's a it's um a huge industry with lots of different perspectives
0: great so one of the questions i wanted to ask is like what's your no bs approach to feeling stuck uh people in the corporate world might feel stuck and even burned out and then i feel like around this time of year is when the people like oh i'm going to my holidays and i have to do work like that's when they start to have this reevaluation about new year's resolution so what are like five things you, people can do about that how do they stop
1: feeling stuck? Is that your question? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first thing I would say is,
0: um, and this is the
1: easiest one and probably like, let's call it low hanging fruit, even though I hate that terminology, but it's, it works in this, in this situation. So, um, when you are sort of, let's not even call it toxic, but you're just unhappy in your job, the easiest way to start to gain some kind of momentum and some kind of control over those feelings is to lean into this idea of learning new things. Learning new things will give you this newborn kind of inspiration, momentum, appreciation. So if you can, either speak to your manager or create learning opportunities for yourself. Maybe that means working on another team, like, you know, going in and working on a particular project where you can kind of start to see how another team in your organization works. Maybe it's leaning into a personal development, going on some kind of training, whatever it is. Um, there's a number of ways that you can start to access more learning Right. So that's the first thing that I would say that you can do to start to to get unstuck. Um, The second one is going back to that original question, really tap into this idea about sense of purpose and really start to understand what your purpose is in your work. Now, it might very well be that your purpose in your current job is not the right one. But I think being clear on the question, right? If you are thinking about, you feel stuck, you are you want out of this job, and you ask yourself the question that I said before, what is it that I am doing for somebody else that they would not otherwise be able to do without me? If you cannot answer that question, start to think about looking for other work where that question starts to become clear to you. That will give you that feeling of getting out of being stuck or unstuck. Um, that's the first one. Sorry, that's the second one. Um, let's think. I think those are two really good ones to get you started um, other than quit your job and start to look for somebody something else, which is unrealistic, right? There are things that you need to do before you can get there. So I think that you need to start to find a sense of happiness in your current position and start to look for something new.
0: Hey, and actually, that that actually comes up with a question that my friends have been dealing with themselves is on purpose. So I think that some people I know, they're like, I'm just going to do my job, pay the bills, and then do whatever I want with that money, like traveling or have as many cats as they could or um, go try out all the coffee in the world kind of thing. But when people think about their jobs, I think I have this issue actually of like glamorizing my job of like putting my identity on the job that if I am happy in my job, then I am happy, but like vice versa. If something happened at work, then I will take it as an offense. Like, oh, this means that I'm not happy if this is not working out. So how do you have that fine balance? Because I can find jobs. Like I think actually on my job right now, Google is like amazing equitable company, but also I find value in the work I'm doing, but I'm also trying to find that distance from that job. So I don't fall into that same rut. But at the same time, I do feel happy in my job. So there's like always that little gray area in this particular area. Yeah. So
1: I think I what I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this idea that your career becomes your identity, right? And we don't necessarily want our career to be our identity because then we ride the waves of, um, oh my God, I had a terrible day at work, therefore, what is my identity? Or I had a great day at work and I am queen of the of the universe. So I think it's this idea that we so it's a little bit different than purpose. This is kind of the thinking around identity and not wrapping our entire identity in our career. And I think that there's something different. When I talk about finding happiness at work, I am not saying that your career is what defines your happiness. I say it is one part of your happiness. So there's happiness to be derived in every part of your life. And the most important place, so let's get away from finding, um, making our career our identity and start to generate happiness outside of our work. The most important place that we can do that is through our relationships. That's the most important indicator of overall satisfaction and happiness is our relationships with our friends and with our family. So in addition to having your career, you must make time for friends. Friends are magic. So you you want to be satisfied in your career, you want to give everything that you have, but outside of that, I would say the most important thing to focus on is friends, family, and relationship, and all around cultivating both close relationships and, and somewhat more casual relationships, joining clubs, you know, kind of examining new interests, all of that is essential to your
0: happiness and your identity, to be frank. That's great. I think like, that's where I had my issues before. It was like, okay, career, it, because I spend majority of my day anyways on my job, I, I should at least be happy and like it what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, but, and then I'll, at the same time, the people that are very career focused could also start to have suffering relationships for that exact reason.
1: No, exactly right. Did you feel that you were like putting all of the eggs in the, let's say all of your eggs were going in your career basket? Is that what you found?
0: ironically I think I had a really strict nine to five schedule and thankfully my job allowed me to do that which is unheard of in consulting but I was able to do that yeah that's Uh, amazing but then after that I was like okay I'm gonna shut off my professional side focus on my personal side but then if something in professional side I'm usually like okay if everything goes well then I'm happy but if not then it starts to bother me in my personal life. yeah no I understand it's that ability and
1: and as women we're actually and I I feel like this is just a very anecdotal observation. (laughs) This is not a scientific observation, but as women, we're not that good at compartmentalizing things. I feel like men are a lot more successful at they had a bad day and they kind of like store it in one part of their brain and they're able to go on and do something else. Whereas I'm exactly the same as you. It tends to spill over and kind of pollute the entire room, you know? (laughs) So that's something that I work on a lot actually is around this idea that you need to isolate those anxieties and worries to one spot so that you can kind of keep keep the train moving.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So um, I'm also kind of curious about what's your definition of toxic happiness and what is it and how do you deal with it or others if you have recommendations?
1: Yeah. So this idea, I mean, I think that toxic positivity is absolutely something that is a very real phenomenon, right? You can go on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, or Instagram, whatever it is, TikTok and all of these kind of like, you know, people are spewing these kind of empty platitudes is what I like to say. So I am not, I am the, I am very much against anything having to do with toxic positivity. And it's this notion that if we focus too much on being positive, you actually wind up being more unhappy right? So if you focus too much on this idea of I'm searching out happiness, that's not the way that you start to build sustainable and lasting happiness. When I'm talking about happiness, there are specific habits and tools and tactics that you need to do. For example, you need to cultivate friendships, right? That is much more around building happiness rather than like going out and seeking happiness. That's actually going to undermine exactly what you're trying to do. So I stay away from any kind of platitude empty you know any of that is 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 opposite of everything that i say to do i'm my work is much more grounded in very tangible tools and tactics and this idea that you're hunting out happiness will only lead to unhappiness
0: okay and then starting off with the people that are early in their careers what boundaries should they make and what pitfalls should they avoid So I think the first one is
1: exactly what we were just talking about before. So I think it's this idea that you wrap your entire identity into your career. I don't think that that's... um A very fruitful kind of adventure, right? And I think this idea that we've been told, um, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I think that that's a silly saying. I think it has no meaning. And I don't think that it, I don't think that I think that we're doing people a disservice by saying things like that. So I don't think, um, so I, I, the first thing I would say is you do not want to wrap your entire identity in your career. You want to enjoy your career. You want to work with people that you like. You want to be challenged. You want to have learning Opportunities, but you need to also develop all of that other stuff. So all of the interests, the learning opportunities, the friendships—that um, is. So that would be my number one watch out for new career people,
0: and vice versa. Do you have any differing advice for those that are in mid career, or to be the same, pretty much?
1: Um. Well, I would, this I would say mid career. I think that a lot of people kind of get saddled with this idea that it's too late for them um, and even in mid-career I think that people get saddled well I've already chosen this and this is what I have to do and I'm on this path even if you're 30 years old you feel like it's too late to switch right so I'm not talking about people who it's net. first of all I believe it's never too late like I am a big believer and it, it's never too late not at any point anywhere at any moment. In fact, it's always too early is what you usually find. So I would say don't get stuck on this like idea that it's too late to switch, that you've sunken in all this time. You know, there's that whole idea of sunk costs and economics, right? That you've, you've already committed to buying the ticket to watch the movie. Even though you hate the movie, you're going to sit there and watch it because you paid $20 to see the movie. When the truth of the matter is you should leave and enjoy those two hours rather than being tortured, right? So it is never too late to switch to change to um to shift gears and look at things differently and do something new that would be my advice for mid-career
0: people amazing and then personally for your journey what do you think that you're up to right now what's next on the horizon for you do you think you're going to be still be doing the same thing or do you have cool so i love what i do so Mm -hmm. um and i feel that there's
1: a lot of um There's a lot of avenues for me to explore in the work that I'm doing. So um, I really love speaking and kind of reaching a big group of people because I love kind of seeing the audience have like, you know, grasp something new and they come up to me after the talk and tell me how it impacted them and what they're going to do and how it's going to change their lives. And even a month later or six months later, people reach out to me and really kind of, you know, tell me that my words had some kind of impact on their life. So I want to do as much speaking as I possibly can, because I love that. It really brings me joy and happiness. Um, and I would love to really explore doing more writing. Um, I'm hoping that there's a book in my future. I have lots of ideas. So for me, I I always, my problem is never a lack of ideas. It's always kind of trying to harness the ideas and pick the ones that um, will actually have the most potential. So so I've got lots of, of stuff, but right now, my primary focus for sure is speaking more, getting, you know, reaching more people in larger groups
0: and um, working on my book amazing and hopefully that you get to do a lot more of that as well so um one of the things that I wanted to kind of ask you is on for the perspective of a woman like how has your experience been as a woman in your career and then your early career your mid career or even like in the future as well like what advice would you have for women sadly (laughs)
1: my advice is I think that we all kind of, I don't know, maybe you're like me, but when I first entered the working world, I had no idea how bad it was going to be for women. My assumption was this is a 50-50 world and we're all equal and all of this is, you know, all that other stuff is behind us. Like our mothers and our grandmothers did that. We don't have to do that anymore. We're now playing, you know, in an equitable playground. And unfortunately, that's not always true. Now, it's not as bad as it used to be by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that gender discrimination is a very real thing thing. So I think that it's something that people need to be keenly aware of. I think that as young women starting their careers, I think that they also need to be aware that gender discrimination in the workplace is very real. And it's almost the kind of gender discrimination that I'm talking about is not like, oh, we're not going to hire women, we only hire men. It's more of this like insidious, um, under the surface, you know, like, for some reason, when a man says his ideas, they get, you know, everyone takes them seriously. When a woman says the same idea, no one listens, right? Or, you know, a man never gets interrupted and a woman gets interrupted constantly. So I think it's really tapping into and realizing that there are real gender differences. This is, and I I don't mean to to, um, to present a negative picture because I don't feel that way at all. I'm just kind of, this is a reality of the situation, right? And it's not obvious. So I think as women, we need to be aware of it. I think that there are absolutely things that we can do to counter it and start to move the ball forward. But I think it's something that we shouldn't go into the world with necessarily these overly rose-colored glasses, right? This is something that's very real, that exists, but we can do something about it if we're aware of it, if we're conscious of it, we can be deliberate and strategic about it. Did you find? do you, do you, does that resonate with you
0: yeah it does and actually I just went to a conference last week where we talked about bringing your authentic self to work and someone mentioned that like oh when I did that like how come if the, the feedback they got from their manager was like they're being too bubbly emotional and we're like if a man got was the same a man did the same thing I don't think they would call him too bubbly no exactly kind of curious about that of like Yes, we can try to bring our authentic stuff to work and we would try to find happiness in what we're doing. But what if the environment and the culture ends up being a little bit harder to do that, which I know like the people will be people. So it's not like changing, maybe changing companies will definitely be the solution, but not the solution for your true experience.
1: Well, I mean, I think that a lot of the work that I do is grounded in data. And it's not around this idea that we're subjectively walking around and giggling and happy all day. No, this is around the idea that when people are more satisfied with their work, they're more productive, that they stay in their jobs longer, they make fewer mistakes, there's less sick days. You know, it's all of this falls down to the bottom line. So I think that when you talk about happiness at work in terms of data and numbers, people are much more willing to buy into this idea, right? Because I absolutely, that's one of the big opportunities obstacles that I encounter that people are like, oh, come on, happiness at work. I have real work to do. No, this is actually the real work that you have to do because you want to hold on to your best employees. You want to attract the best people. You want your people to be super productive when they're at work. So, you know, it's, it, it, a lot of my work is grounded in real numbers and data. And that's how I kind of bring the skeptics along.
0: So for organizations or for mid-level managers in this kind of case, like what could they do to help their colleagues have more happiness in their work or in general, improve what they're trying to do.
1: Right. So the first thing I would say is, if we're talking about a team, and you can expand this out to an organization, is this idea that we need to establish trust, right? People need to feel that they can trust the people that they're working with. And I don't know if you've heard of the term psychological safety, but it's been, oh, if you work at Google, you for sure have. So, um, you know, and it's this idea that people will not be penalized in any way for speaking their truth, that people are able to take risks without fear of punishment or retribution they're allowed to say their opinions and voice their thoughts. So I think that that's the first thing that team leaders need to work on and organizations need to work on, establishing a baseline of psychological safety. And then from there, we can start to layer on some more stuff.
0: Amazing. And so moving on to your career or just in general what's going on so what is on the horizon for you in 2023 and 2024 i know you said you want a book but you're going to focus on speaking do we have a book in mind right now that you're so yes
1: i started working on a book so nice. um and it's going to be a very practical um very practical guide to taking all of the scientific research and actually translating that into actionable strategies that people can use in their life to build more happiness and more happiness at work. So I'm working on that. And I have a bunch of really wonderful speaking engagements coming up in um, Q1 of 2024 and some coming up in 2023 as we, it's funny, September, you know, I feel like September is always the start of a new year. And then like, by the time you turn around, it's December. Okay. Um, so I've got some good stuff coming up towards the end of the year. Um, so yeah. so that's that's, that's what's on the horizon for me. All right. And where can we find you on social media? So I am the Jessica Weiss on Instagram and on TikTok. So feel free to find me in either of those places. And then on my website, I am w e i s s. W-E-I-S-S.com. And please feel free to reach out. I love chatting with people. I love hearing people's problems and kind of coming up with solutions. So don't hesitate to send me a message.
0: All right. And last but not least, what can we do to support you? Um,
1: if you need any kind of coaching or any kind of, you know, hear about any speaking opportunities, I would I would welcome any of those opportunities to come my way.
0: Okay. And the question that I had way earlier, but I ended up skipping because we went right into it is and I asked this to all the guests is if you had all the time in the world, what would you be doing?
1: Exactly what I'm doing right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> every time I ask this question I get like that answer or that I get like I want to travel <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly what I'm doing right now okay thank you so much it was so great to have you on this podcast and hopefully everyone can check out the links down below or social media as well and connect with her thank you great thank you christine